Uh, if you didn't notice uh, on the Facebook site, if you don't get Facebook, I wish you would because we had uh, we have about 600 plus people on Facebook, and uh, nobody checks our email anymore. And this seems like a word doesn't get out unless it goes that way. But the Shelbyville Pregnancy Care Center is in need of help. Their ultrasound machine is broken, and they are in need of a new one. Uh, the National Knights of Columbus agreed to pay half the cost of a new one if they raise the other half, 18000 uh, So what we're going to do today is take up a love gift following this service and second service, uh, specifically to go to the pregnancy care. And like Adam said in his message last week, a majority of women don't go through with abortions once they've had an ultrasound. And we do support Pregnancy Care Center. They're one of our regular givings and hope you would do that. Also, uh, this is the uh, third Sunday of Believe. I uh, hope you got your packets. We got more Believe books in. We got about 10 or 15 in uh, for those of you that were missing them. Uh, this week is focusing on salvation and memory verse. And I was told by the Sunday school superintendents that we need more kids participating. Uh, eight out of 10 weeks, if you know your memory verse and just go recite it to an adult. And she said, teachers, if you could push it, uh, if you do eight out of ten weeks, there's a pizza party and a sock war, uh, extra prize if you go ten for ten. Adults, uh, I was told that the rumors are there's Colts tickets for the adults to do that. Uh, also, another prize will be a weekend in Cincinnati and tickets to the Creation Museum. And I was told also maybe a trip to Paris or uh, uh, Hawaii. So. <laughs> I just say what I'm told. So if you're interested, please uh, push your kids because we want to plant the word of God in their heart. And today we're looking at salvation. And the key verse is for it's by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not uh, from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. And the key idea is I believe a person comes into a right relationship with God by his grace through faith in Christ Jesus. So it's, uh, what we see happening here is I think it's very significant that salvation ends up number two or three behind God and a personal God. And this week's lesson, if you read the book, looks at Genesis and follows the fall of mankind and God's process of trying to get man in the, in the right relationship with him, which was finally accomplished through the birth and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But sadly, the church has done so much to damage faith. I believe the church has lulled people into thinking they're Christian if they attend church once in a while. Yes, we want people to come to church. We, we want good music. Uh, we want a good children's program. We want a good Sunday school and Bible education program. We want good preaching. And we want people leaving Sunday morning feeling close to God. But a, a lot of people have gone to church, but they really don't understand the gospel. They think, well, if I'm born in the United States of America, then, then I'm a Christian. Some people think they're Christian if they go to church once in a while, maybe Christmas and Easter's and Mother's Day. Uh, maybe you think if I'm a nice person and I do good things. And, and it's about what you appear to be and not who you are, but that's nowhere in Scripture. So you, you 
can't have it to where the outside looks one way and the inside doesn't know Jesus. And that's why this topic of salvation is so important. And what I want to accomplish today is I don't want anyone to be surprised when they die and get to the judgment throne and they find out they don't make it to heaven. So today we want to find out what are the facts when it comes to salvation because our culture has made salvation and Christianity based on so many other things than Jesus Christ. And those things give people a sense of, of false security. Yeah, you can do good things. Yeah, you can go to church every once in a while and be a nice person. But it's, it's not about how you look. It's about who you are on the inside. You may say, well, I don't listen to rock and roll music, and, and I don't go to R-rated movies, and I don't have any tattoos. And, and, and yet... That same person saying those things may have never met Jesus Christ. And as a result, there is a, a false security built up in those things that they do. Where true security comes from a different source. Now I'll take a hit on this. I'm dyslexic and I wrote down Luke 16 or Luke 7 and it's Matthew 7. I'm reading that verse. What in the world has that got to do with the... Well, in Luke or Matthew 7, 16, he says, by their fruit, you will recognize them. What Jesus is saying here in Matthew 7, 16 is their lifestyle will scream who they are and who they belong to. Their lifestyle will say whether they're of the world or Jesus Christ. Now, he didn't say you might recognize them by their lifestyle. He says, by their lifestyle, you will recognize them. And Matthew 7 goes on in verses 17. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, good trees bear good fruit and bad trees bear bad fruit. And what Jesus is saying, if we truly belong to him, we are consistency of our lifestyle will produce good fruit and people will be able to see that we belong to Jesus Christ but notice what he did not say he did not say followers of Jesus Christ are sinless he didn't say Christians would not sin no because we're still tempted because we still have that sinful nature we inherited from Adam and Eve from the beginning of time. It was born in us. And this week's chapters in, in Believe talk about that. But, but do you know what? When it comes to sin in our lives, God knew every stupid thing we were going to do. God knew every sin that we would commit before he saved us. And God saved us anyway. And that's why this verse from Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 is so important because it's all about grace. For it's by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It's a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. And see, we Christians, we struggle sometimes, don't we? Where we think... I can't be a Christian if I struggle with sin. 
Well, I'll tell you what, if you aren't a Christian, chances are sin is not going to bother you. You're not going to struggle with it. In fact, you're going to love sin. But once you become a Christian, it's a curse. It's like you can't enjoy sin anymore. You, you may do it, but it's, it's, not, it's not enjoyable. I remember very few things about my childhood. My mother would come up and said, well, do you remember what I used to take you here now? I said, Mom, I don't remember anything. Uh, my memory's uh, like a 90-year-old. Uh, but I do remember living in Paris, Kentucky, and I was a great model collector, and I had these little tanks that you could put together from World War II, and I remember, I think it was a, a Woolworths I went into, and there was a tank I didn't have, and by golly, you know, I, there was a side door, and I looked around, and there was nobody there, and I just put it in my hand and walked out that side door. No one saw me. Nobody caught me. I got away clear and free. My parents never found out, but I could never enjoy that tank because every time I looked at that tank, I felt guilty because I had been raised in the church. I knew Jesus Christ as my Savior, and I knew I had sinned. Where if I wasn't a Christian, it probably wouldn't have mattered. I probably would have had a lot bigger tank collection too from the discounts I would have got. But I couldn't live with it because if you aren't a Christian, then you don't struggle with that sin because you love sin. That's what the Apostle Paul tells us in, in Romans 7, 18. He says, my selfish desires won't let me do anything that's good. And even when I want to do right, Paul says, I cannot Instead of doing what is right, I do wrong. And then Paul goes down, and we know who the Apostle Paul is. He wrote so much of the New Testament. He's a, we can put him on the pedestal. And he says in verse 24 of Romans 7, What a miserable person I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is doomed to die? The Apostle Paul knew he was not a good person in and of himself. So how in the world do we think we're good people? How can we come to church and say, I'm nice to people. Uh, you know, I uh, help old ladies across the street. I'm good to the neighbor's dogs. And think that we're still good enough to get into heaven without Jesus Christ. See, if you're a Christian... You know, you just, you just can't be a person that, that goes on your works only. You also can't be a person that can be content living in sin. Because if you're a Christian, you're going to struggle with sin. So how did Paul overcome it? Well, in Romans 7.25, he says, Thank God, Jesus Christ will rescue me. So what happened? Yes, Paul was sinful. Paul struggled. He couldn't do good when he wanted to do good. But Paul depended upon the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross to pay for his sin. And he didn't depend on his own good works. And if this is what Paul discovered, it ought to give us hope. Hope that no matter how bad our past is, no matter what we have done, Jesus Christ can forgive us and use us. You know, this is a big problem that I run into as a pastor and in counseling with people. That there's people that 
can't forgive their past. I mean, some of them don't have skeletons in the closet. Some of them feel like they have a cemetery in their closet. And when you are haunted by your past, Satan points to you and says, you aren't a Christian. Well, last week you, you, you can't be a Christian because of what you did or, or what you did when you were 14, 15, 16 years old. And Satan controls us. And it's amazing. Last week at the summer bash, end of the summer bash, I, I was watching as, uh, as little Hayden, what's Hayden, five years old, Hayden Ramey? I mean, she's tiny, leading around that pony horse out there. And, and, and I don't think that pony understood how much power it actually had that, that he could have taken Hayden wherever he wanted to take Hayden. But the pony just let this little girl just lead him around all over the place. It's kind of like us. How many of us is Satan leading us around and, and, and just taking us wherever he wants, like the, the horse with the halter and the lead shank, where really we have Jesus Christ with us. And because of what he did, he has given us power over the past and over the struggles against sin. And that past may be who you were, but it's not who you are in Jesus Christ. See, Jesus changes you and me through salvation. He, he makes us brand new and helps us. Yes, we're still going to be tempted and we're still going to sin, but we can't be people that let our past haunt us. Your past was crucified with Jesus Christ so that you can live in the present. Your past is no longer you. You are a brand new you, and you need to start living in that victory because once you confess Jesus Christ as Lord, your sins are forgiven, as he says there in Romans 7, 25, and you have been made clean, and that's how you know you're right with God. It's not the works you do. It's the work Jesus Christ did on the cross. And here's another lie of Satan when we, when we talk about salvation. Satan will tell you, you're going to lose your salvation. But think about it. If salvation is the work of God through Jesus Christ, that is a continual work. Because Jesus paid for our sins on that cross, past, present, and future. And there's no sin, there's nothing you're going to do in your life that will surprise God. No sin you can commit that God didn't already know you were going to do. And he saved you anyway. And when you get wrapped up in God's grace that we see talked about, for it's by grace you have been saved through faith, when you get wrapped up in God's grace, you can't unwrap that grace. If we could do un undo God's grace, then it would mean that God is not all-powerful. And if God isn't all-powerful, then he isn't strong enough and powerful enough to save us. And that's how we know that salvation isn't our work. It's God's work. Notice what Jesus says in John 10. He says, I gave them eternal life, 
and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one can snatch them out of my Father's hand, and I and the Father are one. So once you come to Jesus, once you experience salvation, he's saying you're in. It's just like my my kids, my children. They're born to me. I'm their father. Their relationship with me may go through times that are strained and, and times that are tough and we don't agree, but they'll never cease to be my children. They were born to me. And that's the way it is with Jesus once you experience that act of salvation. And that's why Matthew 7.16 is saying, by their fruits you will recognize them. Where's the fruit? You know, if there's a car wreck and somebody hits your car and there's damage, it's going to show. I was at Penn Station a few weeks ago or months ago now eating lunch and somebody comes in, oh, who's driving that gray Dodge Challenger? And I go, oh, me. Uh, And he walked over and said, well, my car door, the wind caught it and and, and dinged your car. And I go, oh, it couldn't be that bad. He goes, oh, yes, it is. (laughs) And it was bad. You could tell a collision took place, even if it was the wind catching the door. And when there's a collision, there has to be evidence. So when our sinfulness collides with God's grace, when that collision takes place, we are changed. And you can't deny the evidence of that change in an individual. You can't truly meet Jesus Christ and say the same. When our sinfulness collides with his great grace in our life, it's an unbelievable collision. And grace wins every time. Grace completely changes who we are. Like I said earlier, you cannot meet Jesus Christ and say the same. It's impossible. And that makes it more important that you can answer these questions. Do you know when you met Jesus? Do you know when you responded to an invitation hymn at church? Do you know when you were baptized? Do you know when you met Jesus Christ? Do you know when he changed and made you a new person? Do you know when you experienced salvation? See, that's why the Apostle Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 13, 5, the people in the church, he says, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you unless you fail the test? That is why Jesus concludes this passage in Matthew 7.20. Thus by their fruit you will recognize them. And if you look, if Jesus uses a word more than once, it's probably pretty important. If he uses it multiple times, it's very important. And Jesus uses the word fruit seven times. And today I want to look at an acrostic of the word fruit and go over five things that mark whether you know Christ or not. And I want to use the word fruit. Can we put it up? 
First, the F is for focus. When you look at your life, are you more obsessed with yourself or with Jesus? You know, that will show who you belong to. John the Baptist said of Jesus, he must become greater and I must become less in John 3.30. That should be a life verse for all of us. He should become greater and I should become less. If you can leave here today, go all week long and not even think about God or Jesus Christ until next Sunday, and you might come to church Sunday if the weather's bad and you can't get the boat on the lake or the golf clubs out of the back of the car or whatever it is you have that's on your priority list. Well, if you don't think about Jesus over that period of time, then the reality is you probably do not know Jesus Christ. Because when Jesus gets inside of us, the things of Jesus Christ suddenly matter to us because we're his people. And you can't meet Jesus and be indifferent. And we can't be indifferent to the things that matter to him, and that's his church. Because being a Christian is putting our focus on Christ. You can't meet him and be the same. In the book of Acts, the Christians that met Jesus, they went to their death because of their belief in Jesus Christ. And scriptures, the Bible tells us, if you know Jesus Christ, people can tell because your life is going to show him. So focus. The R in fruit is for repentance. 1 John 3, 6, no one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or knows him. Yes, we're going to sin. He didn't say no one will ever sin. He's saying no one who continues to sin. This is the person living in constant unrepentant sin that they don't feel sorry about that they don't feel convicted about. If I had stole that model and never felt conviction about it, then there's a real question to whether I was a saved person. But let's take for an example a man who's married and has kids, but he's got an ongoing affair with some woman outside the marriage. The Bible says it's wrong. But his attitude is, I don't have a problem with it. We're both consenting adults. What's the problem? The problem is you can't do that and not feel convicted at by the Holy Spirit of God, and if you don't, you don't belong to him. Because if you belong to Jesus, Jesus disciplines you because God disciplines his children, and the Christian feels guilt over their sin, and when we live with unconfessed, unrepented sin, and not feeling convicted, most likely we don't know him. Because your heavenly father doesn't want you continuing in sin. So God's going to constantly push on us and try to get us to confess and repent so he can make us clean. That's how we know we belong. Also in fruit, the you is for understanding. Do you understand why you're right with God? Do you understand why you are able to go to heaven? Your answer should be Jesus. Jesus and Jesus alone makes us right with God. He is the only way. Because of what he did on the cross, because of his resurrection, because of his finished work, as he said from the cross, it is finished. 
The debt has been paid in full, and that's what makes us right with God. The eye in fruit is invitation. It's like I asked as we begin to look at fruit. I said, has there been a time when you responded to an invitation? Is there a time that you invited Jesus to come into your life? I can go up to a married couple and say, when were you married? And they don't say, oh, I just woke up one day and I was married. No, they know when they got married. If they don't, they're in big trouble. But we need to also know that moment we became a Christian, when we publicly responded. See, you aren't saved because you were baptized as an infant. You aren't saved because, you know, your parents just brought you to church every Sunday. You're saved because you confess Jesus Christ as Lord and you trusted him to pay for your sins. And that's what makes you right with Jesus Christ. That's what saves you. And when was it that you did that? And lastly, the T is for thankfulness. Thankfulness is when you understand what Jesus did for you, like Paul did in Romans 7.25, where he said, Thank God Jesus Christ rescued me. Thankfulness is when you watch somebody come forward and accept Jesus Christ. Thankfulness is when you watch people get baptized like we're going to do this afternoon or this morning in the 11 o'clock service. Are you thankful when you watch people come into the kingdom of God? See, that's important because when somebody finds the Lord and we're Christians, it just lifts our life up and it just makes us feel so wonderful. But when was that moment for you and are you thankfulness and have thankfulness for what Jesus Christ did in you that you feel so grateful that he lives in you and knows that even after this life, he's going to take you into heaven. So the question is, are you one that knows salvation? Have you experienced salvation? That's why it's number three in this book, behind God and a personal God. It's important. It's the foundation of moving forward from chapters 4 through 30. Make sure you've made that commitment today. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for the gift of salvation, and we pray that we are people that can see the fruit in our lives, and it just affirms that we are your children. We thank you for that gift, and we just pray that we will be people that go out and are so thankful we share it with those around us. It's in your name we pray. Amen.